Let's just open our hands to Him. Jesus, we have declared today and we have received testimony, God, of your goodness and of your faithfulness, of your grace and mercy and promises, of your multitude blessings. And today, as we prepare to come to your word and table, Lord God, our hearts are already open. Our hearts are already filled with gratitude. Our hearts are already, Lord, welcoming your word. Come now, living God. You who are the living eternal word, come and speak your specific now word into our hearts this morning, we pray. And with open hands and open hearts, all God's people said. I've said many times, I'm always grateful when the Lord already speaks a message before we even get, when, before I even get to preaching. That's a great blessing. And so I'm so grateful this morning that, that we have already heard the Lord speaking to our hearts. And so what I want to share with you this morning briefly as we prepare to come to the table is simply an opportunity to have an exclamation point put on what we've already been receiving. So if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Find a Bible if you would. So we're going to be spending some time in the Word of the Lord here this morning. Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not much more valu- are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Wise words once again from the mouth of our Savior. We are in the midst of a sermon series that we've entitled Salt and Light, and you can see it right on the front of your bulletin there. Um, a, A series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount. 
And uh, you can always go to the website to uh, get messages you may have missed, or there are CDs and PowerPoints available for you in the back of the back table if you missed any of the messages. This morning, Jesus begins here in verse 25 saying, therefore, and so when the therefore is there, you always ask, what's the therefore? Therefore, well, it's there for a reason because it's putting us, it's bringing us back and re reminding us, Jesus is sort of re-emphasizing what he's already spoken to. And in the previous passage to this, right before this, Jesus speaks about the issue of security. And we looked at that last week in depth. And I would encourage you as even a foundation for the message this morning to look back on that previous message about security and the issues of priority and uh, singleness of heart, sim simplicity of heart and generosity and, and loyalty as a, as a foundation for what I believe the Lord wants to speak to us about this morning, which is an issue which every single one of us as human beings here on earth struggle and wrestle with. So we're going to be looking at this morning the issue of true serenity, true serenity or true peace and how it is that we can discover what that true peace is. All right, so we've already established the scriptures, Matthew 6, and Jesus here is presenting us with an invitation to reorient our lay lives away from being worried, which I've spelled out a little bit more detail here, anxious, apprehensive, and agitated. I think those would all be words that would be, uh, you know, common in all of our life experience, being anxious, apprehensive, and agitated, to being trusting, to be confident, courageous, and calm. So instead of anxiety, the Lord's inviting us to move into a place of confidence. In spite of apprehensiveness, to move to a place of being courageous, from being agitated to being calm. This is his invitation. There's a pivot that he wants us to do in our lives, away from worry, towards trusting in him. So now he goes on. So, so I would say that, that the message that he brings here in this particular uh, portion of his sermon helps us understand what that reorientation looks like. He gives sort of the, the why and the how. Why should I move away from these things? And then how do I move away from uh, from anxiety towards trust. All right, so let's unpack this. First of all, we have some orienting truths, some things to, to set our sights upon here this morning. All right, so first of all, the issue that we need to, in all of these truths are kind of foundational stones in our life around this issue of trust. And so let's unpack that just a little bit more. The first question is source, the issue of source. Who is my Source. Now, Jesus says here, and remember the words we just, we just read, don't worry about life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? I have a friend who I've been praying together with. Uh, many of you know Pastor Dwayne Hansen. He has a lot of great phrases that he uses, and uh, I, I keep teasing him that I'm going to put down a 
we, we all tease him that we're going to put a book together of Dwayneisms or Pastor, Pastor Hansenisms, all right? But he says this, and, and it's stick, the, the thing is, his statements are memorable. So this is a memorable statement that he says, and that is that God is our source and a God of many resources. If you're looking to the resources as your source, you're going to miss it. So you have to look at God as the source and recognize that he is a God of many resources. Just like in the testimony this morning, and that's it, you know, I can look to my husband, but he's not my source. He has some resource of support to give to me, but God is the source of my full support. We're going to sing a little bit later uh, from uh, Psalm chapter 65, um, but dur during the communion time, but I just want to remind you of a couple of the words there. And we sang some of those words earlier in the, in the service today as well. And I don't know if James went, and, and AJ, when they're putting together, re recognized. I, I don't think they had all my sermon notes at that point, so they didn't realize we were going to go to this. But um, the whole earth, verse 8 of Psalm 65, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows, level its ridges. You soften it with showers, bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. What a beautiful picture of the bountiful resources of our God. Second is the issue of safety. All of us struggle with this issue of safety. Jesus addresses this as well. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? As I already mentioned, I love when the Lord preaches the message before. Annette shared and, and spoke. She said, you know, any of, no, none of us know. How much time we have here on earth, whatever eternity, when, when, when we'll step across the threshold of life to life. But we can be confident of this, that worrying is not going to add a single hour to your life. Now in the older translation, sometimes it said a, a cubit to your stature. In other words, you can't worry about being vertically challenged and getting taller. Okay? But actually, the, a, a better translation is this translation. It's, it, it really has to do with not so much adding height to your stature. It's adding length to your days. Several weeks ago, when I was meeting with our um, family of church pastors, we meet every other Monday morning for prayer and study together. And I love meeting with our family of church pastors. They are just, it's, it's so enriching to my life. And we were studying a particular passage, and I saw something in a fresh way that I'd never seen before. And I want to just share it very briefly here with you this morning. And it has to do directly with this. And, and what I want us to understand is that our lives are in God's hands from beginning to end. Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me have been written in your book of life before one of them came to be. And Revelation chapter 22, 13 says, I am the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. Now, here's what I want you to get a hold of this morning and to encourage your heart with here today. Please grab hold of this truth today. Because I think I've already always viewed that scripture from a perspective that was perhaps less full than it could have been. Because when I've thought of that from beginning to end and first to last and Alpha and Omega, I've always thought of a sort of a, a line going from here to there and there's a, a beginning point somewhere over here and there's an ending point somewhere over here. But what the Lord showed me in the context of our study together with the family of church pastors just kind of came to me in a, in a revelatory way is that in fact, instead of viewing it as a line, I can view it and need to view it in the context of a orb or a, a circle here or an oblong, all right, where Jesus is the alpha, the first, the beginning, and he is the omega, the last, and the end. But embedded in that scripture, implicit there, is that he is also the all-encompassing one who is everything in between. So rather than viewing it simply as this, this sort of uh, static timeline, view it as the arms of God encompassing your life. He was with you. He is the, we heard it again, again, God speaking. Uh, Mark shared, says, you know, he used the scripture. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith, Hebrews. He is the beginning and the end, and he is everything in between. He is the all-encompassing God whose arms are around your life from its beginning until its end. The faithful one. And so it gave me a fresh insight into Revelation when they worship. Why do they always say, holy, holy, holy? Why do they say, who was, who is, who is to come? Because I think it's attached to this. He is the one who was. He is the one who is to come. And he is the one who is right in the middle of your circumstance right here in the here and now. He is the great I am. So whatever it is that you're facing today and you're struggling, if you are, with the issue of safety and who is or where is my safety, your safest place to be is in the all-encompassing arms of God. Sometimes people get nervous, you know, around... I, I, you know, Pastor Justin, of course, travels back and forth to Congo on a regular basis, just got back there. I'll be traveling there again with him in August. I, over the years, I've traveled to multiple places that are on the do not visit list of the State Department. He'll say, well, how, how, I'm just, God, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, the answer is yes, because I know that the safest place I can be is being obedient to you. It's in your hands. And if I'm called to go home, then I'm called to go home. But I, he, he, all the days are named for me, okay? That doesn't mean I can be just stupid and do whatever, you know. I, I don't want to walk in presumption. But when we walk in that place, again, as Mark gave testimony this morning, gave the, you know, safe, safe to shore, it's, you know, he's taking us across the lake. We're going someplace with him. It's not the safety of our comfort zone. It's the safety of his comfort zone which is in his arms. All right? Everybody get this? 
I hope this is helping somebody today because it certainly has helped me the last few weeks, all right? Just recognizing this anew. Okay, let's keep going. Significance. What is it that makes me significant? Everybody wants significance, all right? You know, we've got all kinds of courses and classes on self-esteem and who, what, what is it that I'm significant. Well, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Sometimes we think that our significance... Our value is based in what we do, our labor, or, or what we wear, or how we appear, or what we, how we look, what we do, all of those kinds of things, all right? It's not in that. I remember several years ago, I brought home a, uh, I, I hate shopping, and so I'm so grateful. I, I don't have to shop anymore because everybody brings me clothes. It's beautiful. So, okay. I am wearing American today. I have the red, white, and blue on. Okay. But, um, but I did. I actually went shopping. This was several years ago. And I, I came home with something. I was, I was rather uh, excited about something that I had found. And I, and I was showing my son-in-law. And I said, you know, look at what I, you know. And, he, and I said, you know, you got a, you know, you got a styling father-in-law. And he said, he said well, he said, um, well, when you, when you don't have any particular style, any style will work, you know? And I was like, well, thank you so very much, you know? That was just a beautiful moment with my son-in-law, okay? So, yeah, anyway. But, but the truth of the matter is, and the reality is, is that our lives are valuable because of who we are. Who we are, not what we do, not how we look. One of the first scriptures that I ever memorized as a young child was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But I didn't get as far as 10, but 10 is integral to 8 and 9. So it says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork or masterpiece is the literal word there created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, the testimony this morning. Your destiny has been designed by God and prepared by Him and you are valuable for who you are. And what you do and how you look and all of those things flow out of that inner reality of who you are. That is where your significance is. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Kids, don't let anybody tell you any different. It's not the school that you go to. It's not the, uh, you know, the, the, the whatever the, uh, the, the height of, of vocation that you end up choosing or whatever, all of those things. You are valuable simply because you are his, a child of God. And your value is in him. That's where your significance lies. All right, and then satisfaction. When am I satisfied? When am I satisfied? Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest man, men a century ago, was once asked, how much money will ever be enough? And, he just, and his response was, just one dollar more. When are you satisfied? And where does your satisfaction lie? Well, our lives are fulfilled in God. Not in things. I love it in uh, Psalm 16, one of my favorite 
you know, uh, there are eternal pleasures at his right hand. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Or let's look at Philippians really quickly here. Philippians chapter 4. This is a great scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes this in verse 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Now, we quote that scripture a lot. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, okay? That doesn't mean that he's going to give you the strength to leap over the Statue of Liberty. Okay? It isn't about that. But what it does mean, and here's key, context is key, he's going to give you what you need to be content with where you are. Which is one of the hardest human challenges any of us ever face. Right? He's going to give you what you need to be content with where you are. ay yeah, yeah. Got really quiet. Okay. True word. True word. All right. So we have these orienting truths. Then there's some reorienting responses to them. Then we're coming to the table. Seeking. How do I find serenity? Well, famous scripture. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's what I want to submit to you this morning. That a serene or a peaceful heart is developed by seeking and serving the king. Seeking and serving the king. Let's go to John chapter 12. John 12. John 12. Starting in verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. See, this is where I think it gets really practical. The seeking of the kingdom can seem very um, sort of uh, mystical or, or amorphous, not, not something tangible. But I think it comes, becomes tangible when we recognize that it's really about, Jesus, where are you, what are you doing, and how can I join you in what you're doing, where you're doing it? It's really about serving him. It's really about an issue of prioritizing. Again, I've shared this before, and I'll share it again. Priorities, we think of priorities often in, in, as a list. And we think, okay, we put God at the top and family and work and recreation and, and uh, community and whatever else, church, somewhere, you know, whatever. We have this list and we're always, there's always competing priorities. But I want to submit to you that there's a different way of looking at your life than this list of priorities. Think of your life as a wheel with God, Christ at the center and all the rest are spokes off of that wheel. So whatever you are doing, it is directly related to him. And he is the one who will help orient your life around that which you need to be paying attention to at any given a time. All right? 
So if it's time to be paying attention with your family, you need to pay attention to that. If it's work, if it's recreation, if it's, if it's serving uh, in the context of the kingdom, whatever it is. But God, it's all a united whole. It's not some sort of compartmentalized, chopped up thing that you're just careening around from one place to the next. Does that make sense? That's that seeking first the kingdom, putting the priority on the king at the center and serving him. That's what the Luke 12 is all about, the rich fool who said, you know, I'm going to store up barns, you know, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, and God says, you fool. Because you weren't seeking. You were not rich towards God. Be rich towards God, people. <laughs> That's the place for serenity. Secondly, how do I maintain serenity? Through surrendering. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can anybody say amen? amen. That's true. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what do I do? How do I take, how do, you know, it's nice to say don't worry, but what do I do in its place? How do I, how do I reorient? How do I maintain this serenity? Well, let's go and read what it says here. Well, let's, let's put this up. A serene, peaceful heart is developed by gratitude and guarding our heart and mind in the king. Now, again, these guys didn't know that I was going to be preaching out of this passage this morning again. But it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by, in every situation, somebody say every. every. Come on, somebody say every. 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 every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So the reorienting truth here, the way of maintaining that serenity, that peaceful heart, is reorienting your mind onto those things which are good, lovely, pure, peace-giving. Peace loving, all right? You can't simply say, stop. Okay, I don't want anybody, you've heard me say, you know, don't anybody look at anything red. Stop thinking about red right now. Don't think about red. Well, how's that going for you? But if I tell you, start thinking about blue, you'll stop thinking about red. You've got to start thinking about something else to stop thinking. Right? It's a training of our mind. It's a reorienting. It's a pivoting. All right. So let's remind ourselves. Who's my source? Where's my safety? What makes me significant? When am I satisfied? These are the orienting truths. And the reorienting responses are, to seek, that's how I find serenity, and surrender, that's how I maintain serenity. So with that as the background, we're going to come to the table this morning, and here's what I want to remind us of as we prepare ourselves for the table today. This table represents the Prince of Peace. It, G, Jesus says in Ephesians, well, Paul says about Jesus in Ephesians 2 that that he has broken down the dividing walls of hostility 
and made peace. Jesus made peace between us and God and us and one another through the cross of Jesus, through his body, which was broken for us, through his blood, which was shed for us. He has made peace for us with God and with one another. And this morning, if you find yourself in a place where you recognize, I do not have serenity, I do not have a peaceful heart, I want to turn your heart back to the source, because this table represents the source of true peace, of true serenity, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who died on the cross to take away our sin and the power of death to break that off of us so that we could live freely in that true independence and freedom with Christ and with one another. So this morning, when we come to the table, if you've never received Christ, if you've never invited him into your heart, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day, you know, you can trade your anxiousness by trusting in him. You can trade your work by trusting. Instead of anxiety, you can experience confidence. Instead of apprehension, you can experience courage. Instead of agitation, you can experience calm with him through Christ who can do all things. We're going to just start our preparation time with a very familiar hymn, I Surrender All. In that place of surrender, and I invite you today to come to this table in a posture and a heart of surrender, saying, yes, Jesus, all to Jesus. Whatever your worries are today, whatever your anxieties are today, whatever your burdens are today, bring them to him, and then we're going to receive his life and strength today. Pastor Justin is going to pray a blessing and thanks over the elements whether in English or Swahili or whatever he chooses, just open your heart now to the Lord with gratitude. God, we thank you how great you are. We are here this morning celebrating your victory on the cross. You shed your blood so we can be saved. Your body was shred so we can be strong so we can be forgiven. And all of us, we are here holding the element, the example of your body and your blood. Anyone who are going to drink this this morning can be strong and healthy in Jesus' name. When we are eating this piece of bread, we can be strong and healthy for you, God, and proclaim your kingdom. We thank you this morning. As we take it now, we need to proclaim your victory. We can be strong and to move forward to proclaim you as our Savior and King. Take this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Jesus, this morning we receive now your peace that passes understanding to guard our hearts and minds in you, our peace.
is in you. Would you open your hands as Pastor Justin speaks a benediction over us today? Jesus, our Savior. When you died on the cross, we received your blessing that we can't count. Thank you for your blessing we get this morning through your word by using your servant. As you are going to live here, Jesus, help us to understand that you are our star of our faith and the finisher. So we can depend on you and to be able to know that everything we are going to do, you are our light. Let us to follow you the rest of our lives. As we go out there, help us to make many disciples for your glory and your kingdom. Go and make disciples. Be blessed now and forever and your family and whatever you do in Jesus' name. Amen.